This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Hey, welcome to today's episode of the War Room Roundtable. My name is Jason Miller, um, and I'm one of the podcast hosts. I also have Philip. Philip, why don't you introduce yourself briefly? What's going on, world? How's everyone doing? <laughs> Uh, and Philip is uh, also a CEO in his own right, and uh, is also the former podcast host of Inc. and Entrepreneur Magazine. And today we have uh, Michael Sipe with us today. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks, Jason. Good to meet you, Philip. Nice to meet awesome. you. Well, well, hey, why don't you take a second and uh, just uh, tell us about your superpowers and what you do? Yeah, thanks, Jason and Philip. So for starters, I, a little background on me is I was a former Navy pilot, airline pilot, and got into the engineering side after d- dabbling in that for a while. And what's interesting to me is is I've always had this sort of like, how do things work? How do things fit in well together? And, uh, and so I kind of use that engineering background that I had, but when it came to projects and things like that, I realized that you could have all the best tools, all the best processes, practices in the world, but what it came down to that determined success or failure was, you know, all about the people behind it and how did they respond? How did they get engaged with projects? So I had, my background was basically, I'd been an advisor to the Department of Defense at a very senior level in the innovation side of the house where they had a, a, a small clandestine kind of group that developed strategic capabilities for the Department of Defense. And so I was a senior advisor to them. And eventually I got tapped to be the chief architect for a really large project, or at least it seemed large to me at the time. All told, it was just under a billion dollars in management uh, to bring out new capabilities to the warfighter or to the customer. And what I found out was, as I was going along, was it was really hard getting all these disparate groups together to work together to do what seemed like a really simple kind of process or concept. And it was the people who had this negative like resistance to wanting to work together. And the big aha moment to me became, I realized it wasn't the things that I knew, it was how to motivate people. And while we've been taught that in leadership time and time again, um, experiencing it firsthand and realizing that the breakthroughs come when you make the connection with the people to what the purpose is or to what the value is. And I, I remember walking out of the parking out to the parking lot one day and thinking like, wow, like I just had an awesome day. We finally had a breakthrough. Um, this is really cool. And and the thing that was unique to me was I thought about where I was in my career. And I realized that I was still kind of following my dad's footsteps. My dad was a World War II generation guy, grew up in Kansas in the Dust Bowl. You know, his parents were very poor. His dad had a third grade education. 
they were scrapping all the time to to have enough money during the depression. So he had this sort of like lack mentality where he had to fight through things. And uh, that carried over into his parenting. And when I was growing up, a lot of it was all about dad's control and dad doing the things that, um, you know, telling me what I needed to do. And so from a career perspective, I started following down what he told me to do and followed his path. I went to the Naval Academy like he did. I got, I deviated a little bit. I went into aviation and he'd been a ship driver. So I, you know, started to learn to pivot a little bit away from what dad wanted me to do. And all that is to say that my dad's thumb was really controlling uh, part of that generation, I guess, and part of that lack, lack mentality to have control over things that we don't have control over. So when I was in the parking lot that day, I thought, wow, what an awesome day. But then I reflected and realized I was still living my dad's dream. I was living something that my dad would have wanted me to do. And here I was almost 50 years old. Am I still doing something that wasn't quite to my liking or quite resonating with me? And that's when I realized it's really about the people. And so that's when I totally shifted. I realized I needed a whole new career. And while I'd made some career changes before and kind of pivoted away to things I like to do, what was really interesting to me was that what did I love the most? Well, when I was coaching pilots to land on an aircraft carrier at night, like teaching them how to land at sea at night with that bobbing boat going up and down and looking really tiny, like what's the fear? The fear is death. You're smacking into the back end of the boat. So coaching somebody through something challenging like that was where I excelled. We, I had a hundred percent success rate in coaching pilots to be qualified to land and take off of an aircraft carrier both day and night. So if that was something I really enjoyed, what could I translate that into today because I love business. I love developing new products. So that was, you know, a few years ago. And that's where I pivoted into being my own kind of coach, if you will. And and so the story there is really one of how do you connect with people and inspire them to actually do the things that they want to do. And so that's a really long winded answer to your question. Yeah. No, I love the the sound of the idea of being able to deviate from a path that someone tried to beat out for you. I mean, that's entrepreneurial in its essence, right? And so now I'm wondering, now that we know that, where are you now? What plane are you flying now at night yourself that you're trying to land? And, and how yeah. is that looking these days? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question because there's so much content out there today on how to do things. You know, the top five for being a coach or the top three things to do as a CEO. Like there's always these things that we're supposed to be doing that are the best things out there. And and so I, I think for me, part of that guiding part was how how am I supposed to implement all these different things to be exceptional or to, to do what will, will get me further along. And I think the, the biggest thing that is unique is the ability to find the, a passion or find enough of a passion within the things that are required to then make that step forward. And when you think about our brains, right, we have neural nets within our brains. And so we think the same thoughts day in and day out. We have 50 to 60,000 thoughts a day. When we have that many thoughts, we're, a lot of them are recurring, repeating thoughts. So if we're going to really grow and change as a person, 
and become better, then what we have to do is reprogram our brain. We have to upgrade the software. And so if we're still thinking the same emotional thoughts, the same you know, feelings about our business without that passion, then we're really not going to get anywhere. We're not going to transform into something that's lasting. So I think for me that the whole evolution here in the coaching business is it's great to have accountability. It's great to, to hold the feet to the fire because that's good. But at the same time, to have that follow through and to have it consistent and land every time, then the challenge is how do you inspire that emotional aspect to the business or to your leadership or to the personal change that one wants to make? So that it's lasting. And that's the aspect I think that's really the difference is being able to invoke that thing so you can reprogram your brain into that new state, that new mindset. Yeah. There's the idea of uh, people leaning on a coach once they have a coach without ever being able to apply that once they're away from the conversation with the coach. I mean, what, what do you think, Jason? Is there, is there anything that resonates with you about that? Yeah. So I think there's two key things that came from what you said. Is people shoot to be exceptional. Not everybody gets to be exceptional, right? But what we do get to be is better. When you know better, you do better, right? So knowing that you can be better doesn't always lead to being exceptional, because if everybody was exceptional, think of the world we would live in. It'd be a boring place to live, right? <laughs> You'd never have anybody to compete with because <laughs> a little bit of competition is healthy, right? So it's, uh, you know, this idea that um, a lot of people always think that my goal is just to be exceptional. Your goal is just to be to be better every day. You don't have to be exceptional, right? So um, that's what I took away from what you just said. <laughs> yeah, well, that's totally true. It, it is about becoming better, and and I think what's what's interesting is is we lose sense of time. If you're just doing one little thing that's better, it doesn't seem like that big a deal. But over a year or two years, you look back and you go, "Holy cow, I made a pretty big shift." But in the moment, it doesn't seem like it. And so, you know, sometimes we get hung up in the idea of like, okay, I, I need to talk to my mentor once a month, or I need to, you know, talk to my team every day uh, so that I can still feel like I'm moving forward. Well, that's great, but, but sometimes that can be a shackle, right? You really need to like be reflective on where were you six months ago? Where were you a year ago? And then you can start seeing some of that deviation. You can see like, oh my gosh, we actually made a big difference. We've made a change. Or you go look at it and you can go, okay, something has not changed for six months. Why is that? And, and then maybe that you start reflecting back a little bit more and, and dive a little deeper and find those sort of nuggets of wisdom of, oh, I've put some sort of limitation on us or on me. And now how do I work out of that? There's, there's an idea of, of a leader being the force that people rally behind. And yet when I hear the things that are, and also read on the things that you've been working on, I, I hear an effort to create lasting change where even when the leader is gone, the energy and the culture remains the same. Do you find that there's any patterns uh, in the companies that you work with uh, that they've run into or that you've run into specifically 
able to see it almost immediately and go, oh, I know exactly what's happening here. How I'm going to get them to understand that is the challenge. And that's the work that you do. But is there a pattern that you see? Yeah. I think over the last two to three years, we've seen a pretty consistent um, impact of all the changes in the world. So, so when you talk about COVID and then remote work and things like that, like it's created a, dy- a dynamic and that di- dynamic has, has lasting effect across all industries, all revenue streams. And that's one of like feeling disconnected. And so I can pinpoint pretty easily. And I think we, we all kind of can where we, you walk into a room and you can sense the energy of that room. You can sense whether people are engaged or they're not. And if they're not engaged, then it becomes just a little bit of a, of a, you know, kind of like an inquisitive kind of model of how do you unpack why they're not engaged? And then from there, you can find out, okay, is there a teamwork kind of culture? And if there's not a teamwork kind of culture, then they're great tools to build teamwork. And once the, the leadership has put that in place, um, and then there are a few wins behind that, then you dr- develop a culture of, hey, we win and we win often. And that's an energy level where the emotions, the thoughts, and the actions all line up. And it's a co- you know a group effort that feels like, hey, we always win. And when you do that, then there's that autonomy piece where the CEO or the business owner isn't having to dictate everything that happens and what they need to do. It's not a command and control kind of thing. It's more of a delegated kind of responsibility where people all feel like they are a stakeholder and they own. So you can walk into a room and just get a sense within the first five minutes of how much people are engaged. And then when they're not, then you work on the leadership to be able to say, okay, you need to bring your team in more. And how do you do that? And then that becomes that lasting change is when they be able to see that they are responsible themselves for each of their developments and each of their growth. And so for whether it's innovation and bringing a new product to market or whether it's just improving some processes, it doesn't really matter. It's the energy that they bring where it's like, hey, we are all part of this together and we feel connected. And remote work you know, is a challenge, but it's a workaround that can be done. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I tell you, when, when you look at, you know, leadership as a whole, right? Um, leadership as a whole, my thought process behind leadership has always been, you know, components of leadership, uh, you know, really building the know, like, and trust with the people around you that you lead with, um, for starters, you know, is, is very key. Because if you don't have that trust in that as a leader to where somebody's going to say, look, I, tr- I, I know you well enough. I trust you. I'm going to follow you, right? Purpose, direction, motivation, right? Those three things. And if you can combine all those parts together, that's where you get fully engaged. You get people that are engaged in the process. Um, and then there's time for a hammer, right? Right. There is the time for that, for that hard drop hammer. I know you've had to drop the hammer, military guy. Yes, you've uh, had to drop the hammer when you were in the military, a time or two, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> right. But there oh, yeah. again, it's about the approach. 
it's about the approach then. Right. Yeah. Well, right. And And that's a short term thing, right? It's, it's not always the, the, the knee jerk. It's symptomatic of a bigger problem, right? If you have to, if you have to do strong fisted kind of response, and then you find yourself doing it over and over again, you're creating the wrong culture. So that purpose, that motivation you talk about really is a key part of that. Yeah, for it's it's absolutely critical when it comes to, and then there's a difference between C-suite relationship versus uh, employee relationship too, right? So they're two different leadership dynamics and two different leadership ways to lead people, right? And some of that then comes down to what your C-suite sees is then what your, uh, say your senior vice president or your vice president of marketing or whatever the case may be, they see the way you react. So therefore they mimic your reaction, right? And I've seen it time and time again, hell, I'm guilty of doing it. (laughs) Guilty is charged um, for sure. But I guess you know, that's where at times you surround your, yourself with smarter people, or maybe smarter is not the right word, but people that are better at some of that um, than you are, right? So that's kind of key to that too. And that's why Michael is a part of the Strategic Advisor Board and keeps my head from popping off sometimes. <laughs> 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 I, I, uh, I think there's a there's a golden moment now where if people have listened to this and they're ready to go to war now they're like all right yep i gotta get my leadership hat on in the right way with the right fit so i can step back in and they're ready to go to war what michael would you say should be the one two three they should do or even just the one they should do as soon as they finish listening to this in terms of like, this is how you're going to approach it, or this is something to keep in mind starting today. Yeah. You know, I, it's a really good question. I love that question because it doesn't matter how long you've been in a leadership position, whether it's one day or two years, if you don't know your people, then you really aren't a great leader yet. You might be a good leader, but you're not a great leader yet. You get to know your people. And and so whether that's sitting down one-on-one with your C-suite and learning about their family, learning about their interests, learning about, you know, why they're in the position they are today, why they like being it or not like being in it. Because then what you're doing is you're building and strengthening the rapport you have with those that you're connected to. And what that does is it gets back to building that trust and loyalty. And, and that's step number one is, is get to know your people because then when the hard times do come coming up, cause they will, they always do. Then you're going to have people behind you that have your back because one, they know you, they like you, or they were, or at least they know you well enough that, that they will then step forward and actually be a leader themselves. So step one is always, you know, get to know your people. And then step two is, when you're listening, you know, validate their concerns. Go, hey, yeah, that it sounds like a really big challenge. We didn't, I didn't know our books were that jacked up, you know. So, so how are we going to go about solving that and get their input into how they might solve something? So, so 
listen to the problems, listen to what their solutions might be. And then if it means, you know, individually coming up with a solution, great. But if not, look at the team prospect aspect of it. And that's step three is, you know, build a team that can help identify and solve those problems. Leaders making leaders. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Jason? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's what it's all about, right? It's all about, you know, I often talk about uh, the younger generation of leadership that's coming up nowadays. It's very different, right? Um, in a lot of ways, not good or bad. I'm not saying good or bad, but it's different, right? And it's our job as leaders in our time to be able to bring that young CEO underneath our arm and and say, look, here's a lot of the struggles I went through in life with business, so on and so forth. You know, my wins, my losses, some struggles, so on and so forth. If you just pay attention to the couple words I'm going to tell you today, then you can you can effectively miss some of those arrows that come flying at you, right? And that's something I want you to share, Michael, is what is a business struggle that you really think you could effectively help a young CEO miss that arrow today? Yeah. Well, if it's a young CEO with a younger you know, workforce, I think for, you know, 15 years now, we've seen the speed at which almost any information we need is at our fingertips. And so you have a generation of people who are used to instantaneous information. And sometimes it's the only information they need. It's it's spot on. So you have this sort of dynamic in the younger workforce of like, give me the information now, what do I need? And so if a CEO or business owner who's kind of young is still trying to figure things out, because if you've gone from startup, you have to figure out everything almost yourself, right? And you're doing everything in the startup mode. But, But once you get to the point where, okay, now I can start, you know, apportioning some of these responsibilities out, that's great. You start you start becoming a little more flexible, but those arrows, like you said, are still going to be coming because, you know, you're, you're wondering what's my next step. You're trying to still figure things out uh, after a little bit. And so that younger generation, they want that instantaneous information. What do we do next? And if you don't know, then it looks like, well, you're not a great leader. So this is where that culture becomes so important that Everybody is a contributor. Even the lowest level person in the company should be a contributor to the company in some way. And so if you can build that culture, then the answers are going to come from within, within the company. And then that just, it's a self-licking ice cream cone at that point where like everybody starts working together. And so those arrows don't come as much because you've opened it up and created that environment where, okay, yeah, give me the inputs. I'll think about it. I've got my experience and I'll then lay out where we, I think we need to go. But but now you've brought everybody in who has that instantaneous information mindset. Yeah. Leaders making leaders, instilling a workplace culture where even the lowest person that that at the entry level, we're talking front desk potentially, we're talking just right. answers emails. They have seen they're they're on the front lines, you're saying, and they see things that you can't see while you're out moving the pawns around and making sure the strategy is going according to plan. 
and opening the dialogue between everyone is what's going to help people who are young leaders today. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's totally accurate. If you think about it also from the perspective of if you're withholding information from the company, there's a good reason sometimes to withhold, but then there are other times when there's no reason to. And if you're withholding now, it's going to build doubt and it's going to show a lack of trust. And then people aren't going to open up. They're going to be like, oh, well, you know, they don't know what they're doing. And then they, you know, it gets into the cooler talk of like, man, that boss is awful. It just, you know, can't. It stinks working here. And so people are going to look to leave. So if they're not valued at the lowest level, then you're not creating that right kind of culture. Wow. Right on. Jason. Brilliant. You you know, it's the micro mutiny, right? (laughs) We've all seen it. It percolates up. It does. It percolates and, and, and then micro mutiny start and then the cancer spreads and then, uh, it's like I always say, bad news never gets better with time. <laughs> so, so, so don't, you know, train the people you work with, or maybe not training is not even the word, share with the people that you work with that, look, if it's, if, if it's something that's a concern, don't try to protect the boss. Like for some reason, you know, I mean, you see this in the military all the time right? It's, it's, you know, the general only needs to know what he needs to know, right? (laughs) Let's not fill his plate. Well, actually, that's more harmful than it is. Yeah. Um, And well, hey, Michael, all great stuff, man. I got to tell you, the uh, you're always a wealth of knowledge every time you have a chance to talk. Um, And I value every moment of that, um, that we have a chance to talk. And Personally, I've learned a ton from you um, over the last year plus that we've known each other. Actually, I think it's been longer than that. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I, I appreciate you. Um, and I think Philip has one last question for you. Um, his, his staple question uh, yeah. as, as we roll off and close the show. It's the ritual. So. Uh, yeah. Michael, if you could have invited anybody to be here today, that are alive, to sit with you side by side, maybe even chime in on this conversation instead of just listening. Ideally, who would you have loved to have had here and why? Yeah, I thought about that. And I think it really comes down to uh, somebody who, who would really appreciate the time and could sort of be agnostic to any day and age. And so I, I would choose Nikolai Tesla. So if you think about him, you know, he says frequency is everything. So when we use our words and we say something, there can be an actual definition, a Webster's definition of what that word is, but behind it is some sort of frequency of emotion. So it could be anger, it could be trust, it could be care, it could be something else. So I think he would talk to us a little bit about like, hey, what's what kind of energy are you bringing to your business? What are you bringing to your personal life? What do you bring into your professional life? Because behind it is some sort of information in that frequency. And so when you think about like all the things that we are experiencing today, I think he'd have a ton of solutions for us um, that would be really insightful. Because what, if you think about what he shared back then, Today, it makes a ton of sense, but back then it seemed so like obscure, but it was totally spot on. So when we think about the quantum realm and quantum physics and all that kind of stuff, like 
he understood that then. Well, what could we do with that today? I think it would be great to have him out on a conversation. Absolutely. And I think that that also speaks to the work that you're currently doing that you referenced earlier is this idea of lasting change. And you're approaching it very in that same spirit of trying to get to the atomic level of what's going on to see if you can replace that or evolve it, transform it into something that is self-sustaining. Again, these are the themes that current uh, that ran through our conversation. And, and I can see that that's what you do as well, going into the organizations that you work. You seek to find a way to almost get them to not need you and instead to elect to work with you because they see the transformation that's taking place instead of needing you. Does that, is that, is that accurate? Yeah, it's the worst thing to have somebody who's like a recurring billing problem <laughs> where they come back and they keep wanting help again and again. Like, that just is not right. Like, no, go fly. Like, go. I don't want to see you again. I just want to read about how well you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you can help me by doing better. Yeah. <laughs> right on. <laughs> yeah. That's great stuff. Um, well, hey, Michael, how do people get a hold of you? How do people get a hold of you to work with your genius, brother? Yeah. So one, you know, two, two aspects. One is, you know, Hey, we're part of the strategic advisor board. We help small businesses scale and grow. And you have a team of 10 CEOs who have a lot of experience to help you and have that confidence as a CEO. And the other aspect is like, Hey, how do you bring that leadership style into your own business? And so that's where I run my own business site coaching and consulting. And it's pretty easy to find me on the website, coaching.com. And I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook and some other places and have my own website. So uh, great to be here on the show. Great conversation. Loved it. It was wonderful. Awesome. Well, well, hey, thank you, brother, for being here. Um, always, again, a pleasure to have you here and a pleasure to have you part of my journey. And again, there's, what, 168 hours in a week and you decided to spend this hour with us. Um, that means something. So thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you for attending today's War Room Roundtable with me and Philip Lanos. Um, remember, dream it, believe it, and go achieve it. You kick some ass along the way. All right. Uh, this is Jason Miller, your podcast host, signing off. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.